Um, we thought it'd be great to do together as a church, but I do want to say a word, uh, you know, a word of perspective on doing a book study. You know, there's some of you. I hope no one here is going. Oh my gosh, the Firehouse Church has jumped off the wagon. They're now using other books for, you know, that are just as good as the Bible. And we haven't jumped off the wagon. Just want to let you know we we still believe the Word of God is the Word of God. It's God breathed, and there's nothing else like it. And to the degree in which this book overlaps with the scriptures and, and truth, we want to encourage you to, to believe it and jump in it. There's not everything in this book, but I say I'm 100%. I agree with this book. I'm, I'm selling it myself. I get a profit off this book. Nothing like that. But I do think there's some really good um, uh, understanding of some scriptures here, some things that I've wrestled with. And uh, we're going to use it again for, as a catalyst for our discussion. But a couple of verses just to think about here related to this. One of the verses I think about uh, really to God's Word is um, it's from Jeremiah chapter 23. It's actually one of the verses that relates to the firehouse. When we were thinking up the firehouse and why to call it the firehouse um, besides hoping to land in an old fire station, um, one of the verses, well, you, you might know one of them was from Jude that just talked about saving others from the flames. That's, that's really our heart, our mission here at the church. But also the other verses, I've thought of this verse it's uh, Jeremiah 23-29 but it's speaking of God's Word and it says is not my word like fire declares the Lord and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces uh, it, it precedes that by saying um, well let the prophet who has a dream tell his dream but let the one who has my word speak it faithfully so what does straw what does straw uh, what does straw to do with grain declares the Lord and it goes on to say uh, in the same passage of verse 30 it just says therefore declares the Lord I'm against the prophets who steal from one another words supposedly from me and when I hear that verse sometimes I think about books like this that, that circulate around Christianity and there's a book that makes it to the top 10 publishers list and everyone has it and all the churches have it and whatever it says people accept it as the gospel and they jump in and you know um, I just want to balance our view on everything we're not doing that you know, this is, I think the things in here that overlap with the scripture, I think they're going to be encouraging. I think they could be helpful. And there's some things in there that might be this guy's opinion. You know, I've never met the guy personally. I don't know much about him. Seems like a lot of people like him. Um, but, you know, we're going to just try to, on one hand, hold on to the word of God. And, and yet we want to use this as a tool. And so on the one side, we do think God's word, there's nothing else like it. We don't want to steal words when other Christian authors are saying. And just because they're popular, we're going to buy into them. We want to sort it out relationships. To the scripture. Now, the other side of the spectrum, spectrum we can see, maybe you're a reader. Maybe you're, some of you are like these avid readers and you read all the things that are out there. Any of you like that out there, avid readers? I am not one of them. If you are, good for you. I'm glad to read the Bible. And if I get to read other things like this, it is a, it's an exception. So when we did this book study, it had been a while um, that I'd read some. We read several books in several months, which is a faster pace than I'm used to. Um, but I can err on, hey, if it's not in God's Word, then I don't, I don't want to hear it. You know. But the other side of the, the coin can be this other error we've got to watch out for. And I think of a couple of Proverbs that relate to this, and you might see if they relate to you. Proverbs 18.2 says this, A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding what others have to say, but delights in airing his own opinions. Sometimes we can go, oh, I like the Bible, and I don't read any other people out there because I, I don't really care what they have to say. 
because it's not what I have to say. You know, I really like my opinion. I don't know about this Dodson character's opinion. And we can write things off. And there can be a, an air of pride in that. And we have to watch out for that. I don't read anything but the pure Word of God. You know, and we just have to watch out. Because sometimes um, we do like to air our own opinions. And uh, sometimes they're not as good as someone who writes a book either. So uh, another verse that says this, um, Proverbs 26, 12, just says, You see a man wise in his own eyes. There's more hope for a fool than for him. Do you see a man who's wise in his own eyes? Do you think you have the right to judge a book that's right or not or in line with God's Word? Because if you do, the Scriptures say there's more hope for a fool than for one who's wise in their own eyes. If you think you've got to figure it out, be careful. Because a fool thinks so, and it says there's even more trouble for someone who's wise in their own eyes. And so we're going to try to apply this verse here, the Bereans. You know, this is Acts chapter 17. And it says of the Bereans, they were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. And so we're going to do that. We're going to read these chapters together. We're going to examine things in light of the Scriptures. And, you know, we're going to try to have an attitude of, hey, let's find what's true in here and what can we apply to our lives and to this church. And sometimes people can have a naturally cynical attitude. Maybe you're the personality type that's just kind of like, show me. You know, I'm I'm like, I'm from Missouri. It's the show me state. You know, show me where this is because I don't believe it until you show me. No offense to those people from Missouri or that person from Missouri or whatever. Um, but, uh, but anyways, you know, we can have that attitude. But if you look at this, um, the scriptures kind of say that, you know, um, that cynical attitude, it's not really just a personality issue. It's really a character issue. And he said, hey, there's these people from Thessalonica here, and they kind of have, their character is not like these Bereans. These Bereans, they take this message from this man who was speaking on behalf of God, and they examine the message in light of the Scriptures, and they sought to prove it true. And they kind of had a, seems they had a positive attitude. They received it eagerly, eagerly, not skeptically. And they examined the Scriptures, and they wanted to prove it true. Boy, I like what this... This guy saying, this Apostle Paul, let's, let's see how it matches up with the Scriptures, and, and then let's rock and roll. And they did, and they were noted for their character, the good character. If you find yourself being a skeptic and being cynical, uh, be careful that it's not just a personality, that's just the way you're wired. Um, you know, it could be a character issue that needs to be watched out for, according to this verse. And so, we want to watch out for that. Um, you know, I'm going to just start with sharing the big idea behind this book. I think the idea that he tries to encapsulate here is um, it's throughout all these chapters here. But really, I think you could capture it in this phrase here. The gospel, the gospel not only saves, but it sanctifies. The gospel about Jesus Christ, it saves us. It saves us from our sins. It saves us from the wrath of God and for eternal life. But this gospel message also sanctifies. It, uh, it helps us grow. It helps us mature. It makes us more, more like Jesus is. And that's the gist, I think, of this whole book. And we're going to talk about that. Sanctifies, you know, I looked up some fun definitions of that. Uh, this one might, might help you understand what he's saying a little better here. Um, uh, sanctification may be defined as that gracious and continuous operation of the Holy Spirit by which He delivers the justified sinner from the pollution of sin, renews His whole nature in the image of God, and enables Him to perform good works. 
Um, that's pretty straightforward, right? Uh, so the gospel saves us and it does all that. Another definition of sanctifies is a little more common. Is this. It's the process of being made holy. It's the process of we're saved and then sanctified is to be made holy, to be made like Jesus in our character. And that's one of the things that God has for us on his agenda. But really, the, the gist of this book is that the gospel is what God uses to help us in that. And so we're going to talk about that. Um, he also makes the case, you know, the same thing is that sometimes there's this dichotomy between the gospel is for, for the lost people, those that don't know God, that aren't Christians. You preach the good news of the gospel to the, to the non-Christians. And then once you're Christian, well, then we got this whole other system for you that, the, you know, the, the grace and the love and forgiveness, that's for these guys. And now, boy, uh, we, got the, we put the whomper down for the Christians here that are serious about following Jesus. And we have to watch out for that. You know, sometimes I call that, um, we need to beware of the bait and switch theology. We kind of bait people into Christianity with, oh, this is all the forgiveness and God loves you and He accepts you so much and, and come on, you know, and then once you bite on that, it's like, boom, now it's time to be a disciple. I'm going to put the smack down on you. Sell everything, give up everything. We've got a bank account you can transfer your funds to, you know, um, right here. So we have to watch out for that bait and switch um, theology. And, you know, I don't think we necessarily, we have to watch out for living that in our own lives. We also have to watch out for imparting that to others. We can be like, you know, here, fishy, fishy. And then we get someone who comes to your small group, someone that's interested in Christ. And next thing you know, uh, boom, you know, it's, it's, we, try, we scare them off, they jump off the hook and, and away they go. But, um, but I know that sometimes we don't do this on purpose. You know, I think in our own lives we can be prone to this. We can be prone to coming to Christ humbly and in faith and with this gracious new life and it starts off really awesome but then somehow we have this shift where we get back into uh, now it's just back into hard works again and all effort and it just becomes this dry and weary life and some of you might be feeling that way right now in your faith and in your walk and I think about the foreword of this book here a guy comments and he just says this talking about um, you know kind of the gist of the book but he says in other words They operate as if the gospel saves them but doesn't play a role in sanctifying them. In the end, people become exhausted and miss out on the joy of knowing and walking with the Spirit of God. They miss out on intimacy with Jesus. You know, and I think that's sometimes, you know, maybe you're not a Christian yet and hopefully this will be helpful as we go through the series together, but maybe you are. Maybe you've been a Christian for a number of years and you've grown weary, and you go, man, this is a hard life, and I'm sticking it out, and I'm toughing it out, I've got to crank out the Christian life. I started, and I put my hand to the plow, and there's no turning back. Sometimes I can feel like that. Um, I've been a Christian, and I just realized I had my, my spiritual Christian birthday, whatever that is, um, uh, about, it was sometime last week. I think I got baptized like today, 17 years ago. Became a Christian a couple days before that. And 17 years of following Christ. And I just remember getting started and going, wow, this is amazing. He's forgiven me. He loves me. I've got this new life. This is so exciting. And 17 years later, I'm going, wow. I'm tired, man. This is this is a lot of work here. Um, you know, we need to get someone else full time in this business with me here because this is it's tiring. But uh, but maybe you felt like that before. It can be tiring following Christ in your own strength. And so, uh, my hope is that as we go through this study, and even as you read this chapter, you might come away feeling a little less weary than you started, a little more encouraged, blessed by that same 
sweet grace that baited you into the Christian life is the same thing that's available for us to continue here. Um, I'm going to look at a couple. Just I had three things related to the gospel I want to share. I was reading this, the, the introduction and the chapter one. I realized after I signed up for this, I should have checked ahead, but um, the first chapter in the introduction goes all the way to page 50. And then the next hundred pages is like broken up over seven chapters. I'm like, one chapter is almost half the book. And so I'm like, wow, how did I sign up for that? I wasn't thinking. But, uh, but anyways, as you're reading, I hope you can you know, keep up. We'll just kind of start one chapter at a time. If you get it done, great. If you don't, that's all right. We're just going to keep plugging away using this as a tool. Um, and so anyways, the three things I want to draw. He had a lot in this chapter. He had an awful lot. And uh, I, we don't have time for it all here. But I have three things that I came away with that I want to make sure you guys come away with. And you'll probably come away with some other thoughts as you read it as well. There's a whole bunch of good verses and thoughts in here. But the, the place I wanted to start is just that the gospel that we're talking about here... Um, the gospel, the heart of the gospel, the essence of the gospel is the amazing grace of God. And, and we've got to catch that. And I think that's how he says, hey, it's, the gospel is not only for getting saved, but getting sanctified, becoming like Christ, following Christ. And I think it's because at the heart of the gospel is grace. It's by grace we get started. It's by God's grace that we carry on. And we need to catch that. You know, we need to make sure we're... Um, we're living that out. Recently I had a conversation with a guy, a new Christian, and I had been talking with him for a number of months about coming to Christ and about receiving forgiveness and about getting a new life and getting the Holy Spirit on the inside of his life to help him change. Because he thought, you know, I've got to make all these changes before I become a Christian. I, I'm not worthy to become a Christian yet. And so he got to the point where finally he, um, he decided he, he wanted to place his trust in Christ, invite Christ into his life as his Savior and as his Lord. And so then he, he began and he was excited there for a while. And then, you know, a couple months later, sure enough, he found out He's not perfect, and he's still going to sin. And so it was a little bit of a shocker for him to go, oh, now what? You know, I got this whole thing was supposed to like fix me. And I was supposed to, I'm headed to heaven, I'm forgiven, and now now what? What's plan B here? Because this one's not working, you know. And, and I was able to talk with him about this very thing we're talking about here. You know, it started on, on Jesus graciously died on the cross for your sins. And as a Christian, now now, you know, sometimes we can think there's pre-Christian sin and all that is paid for but now I'm a Christian and, and now that's where the real sin is that's trouble there there's one thing when you're lost and you don't know God you complete ignorance whatever uh, but now as a Christian you should know better and you know, I was able just to remind him you know that same good news about Jesus dying on the cross for you is the same thing you got to go back to now and just remember Jesus died for you and he's forgiven you for that and he even wants to help you uh, not do that same thing again this next time and let's go let's go get him you know let's go do this again but it was a real quick version of my own life I go that bait and switch I got baited in I started following God and over time I got tired and weary and leaned on performance and I've had reminders along the way but but this new Christian have faced that dilemma very early on in his walk, but the, the answer is the same. We go back to the forgiveness we have in the cross and the grace that God offers us to actually live out the Christian life. But it's, it's all about grace here. Um, grace, um, a couple definitions of it. You guys have seen maybe the acronym of grace before. G-R-A-C-E. Um, that's what it would be, right? Um, but uh, it's God's riches at Christ's expense. Have you heard of that before? Grace is really all of God's riches, all of God's resource made available to you 
at Christ's expense. He, he paid for anything that would prevent you from having God's resources. And uh, he, at his expense of his blood, he offers you forgiveness and everything you need for a full life, an eternal life. And, and that's grace, God's, God's riches at Christ's expense. Other definitions are, you know, the theological definition is undeserved favor, unmerited favor. Um, you get undeserved favor because of, of God's grace, you know. Um, other definitions I like, um, one, one guy says, grace is God's love in action to, our, to us. God's love in action in undeserved ways, he kind of says, that goes naturally with it. But it's God's love in action in our lives in undeserved ways. Another one, Watchman Nee, put it like this. Grace is what God does. Works are what we do. Grace is what God does. And so there's some, some neat things to be thinking about. This, this gospel-centered discipleship, this gospel-centered life, you know, in some ways you could say it's a grace-centered gospel. And we need to catch that and not miss that. You know, um, I love this, the Apostle Paul talking about the gospel. He says this, um, I consider my life worth nothing to me if I may only finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. It's the good news about the grace of God that's been made available to us. And um, let's see some other verses. You know, um, and that grace is made available for our salvation. You know, it's, for it's by grace we've been saved through faith. This not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Um, it's a gift that's been made available for us to be saved from all our sins. But... The grace is not just for salvation, as we've been talking. The grace is also for living the Christian life. You know, a couple good verses, encouraging verses on this. I think these are referred to in this chapter or even later in the book. But a couple encouraging verses that I like. Um, this one says uh, in Colossians two six. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him. Uh, and another verse right before that I wrote down was just uh, this one I said. You know, Ephesians two eight and nine. For it's by grace you've been saved, through faith. Colossians says, hey, the same way you receive Christ is the same way you, you live and you walk, by grace, in faith, your faith and His grace. And that's how we carry on. Um, another awesome verse, I think some of you that did the women's study this last uh, fall in uh, the book, Because He Loves Me, I think this might have been a verse you guys reviewed as well, but it, it's Romans 8.32. It's just a, such an encouraging one. But it says, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with us, graciously give us all things? You know, think about this, the whole bait and switch idea. God says, hey look, He gave His Son to die on the cross for your sins. Why don't you think He wouldn't give you anything that you need? And this says, graciously gives us all things. God has made available to us everything we need to live the Christian life. And, you know, we've, we've got to watch out for that dichotomy that grace is to get you started and hard work is to finish. You know, and that's, that thing, I think it comes natural. I think of a quote that goes, why do we do that? Why do we tend towards starting off with grace and going towards hard work? One of the quotes I think of that we hear with, related to discipleship is that, um, I think it's maybe from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I'm not sure the exact source. It gets quoted often, but it says that, Salvation is a free gift from God, and discipleship will cost you everything. Salvation is a free gift. Here's a gracious free gift of eternal life. But if you're going to start following Jesus and become a disciple, it's going to cost you everything. And in some ways that may be true, but, but what we forget is everything that's needed to follow Jesus 
he also says, and by the way, I'm going to give you that as well. I've got everything that you need graciously available to you to follow me. Because following Jesus is impossible with, without his, his help, you know, without His grace, without His Spirit. And so I think sometimes that's where that dichotomy comes from. But, um, you know, I think of this verse here. Uh, some of you might know when it comes to God's amazing grace, there's, there's a song about it. I don't know if you ever heard about that. Um, uh, it's called Amazing Grace. Um, but... Uh, I was just reading, thinking through some of these lines here, but uh, this first line is just awesome. You know, obviously, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. You guys want me to do a solo here? Yes, Dave. No. Um, I once was lost, but now... Oh, you know, I, I love that line. Um, that saved a wretch like me. You know, we think about God's grace and we think, when I was just getting started, I was such a wretch. When I know my own life, my sin, my shame that I brought to the table, when I was hearing about God's grace, I go... Saved a wretch like me. That sounds amazing. I'm a wretch and I need to be saved. Um, it goes on, How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. I don't know about you, but uh, some of you, you know, maybe have a different story than me. I didn't come to Christ until I was over 24 and a half years old, something like that. Um, uh, 24.65 years old. Um, but no... Um, and, and for me, I had a lot. I think of the hour that I first believed and I was hearing this message of God's forgiveness that He would forgive me for all the shameful things that I had done. And when the hour I first believed, I just remember being on the floor of my apartment just crying. God, I, I just can't hardly believe it that You would forgive me. You still love me and You would forgive me. And I was just broken in tears. And how sweet did it sound, that grace, when I, when I first heard it and responded to it. But then I went on and lived, started living the Christian life and I just realized, well, boy, you know, it's, it's back to hard work. So I remember this one time, maybe it was a reality check for me, when uh, I got started and, and jumped into campus ministry. The very year I was saved, back in 96, we started an outreach up at CSU. And there was probably five to ten of us that got started at the beginning. Only two students in the dorms at the time. Some of you have heard of the story or heard about those. You know, Josh Whitney was one of them and Mandy Whitney, Mandy Brown now was the other one that was in the dorms. But God just began to do a work there and he used a couple of us and he just kind of was working and we just got swept away. And that first year, a number of people got saved, a number of people got baptized. Near the end of the year, some of our events were having 70 to 80 students at them. And in the following year, he took whatever was there and he doubled it again. At the end of the year, there was probably 150 students. And, and he just kept growing things. And I just felt like I got swept away in his amazing grace. But I remember one time, um, maybe when I had a hard lesson about things shifting back to performance. I remember things were, I eventually got on staff, they asked me to leave my job at Hewlett Packard to go full-time with the church there. And so I left my job, I got on staff, and I remember one of the first falls. Falls within campus ministry are a busy time of year. you got flyers and you got parties and you got, you don't even hardly sit down for the first month, you know. And But I just remember uh, there was a lot going on. I was staff, I was full-time, I was working kind of with my boss at the time. But, you know, after a couple of weeks, uh, things were so busy. Uh, the family I was living with bought a new house. We were remodeling it. We were going 24-7 there. And I'm supposed to be helping with all these flyers because I'm a full-time staff guy. But after a couple of weeks into the semester, I sat down with my supervisor. And, and he said, you know, hey, how's it going, all this stuff? And he, he just started going, you know, um, what, you remember what happened to that flyer there? And, and what happened to that? And went through this checklist, and it was like... Forgot, didn't get done, failed miserably. And by the time we were done, you know, he was he was trying to be loving and gracious with me, but basically told me, you know, uh, 
if, if you work for me in the real world right now, in the secular world, I'd probably have to fire you for this performance. And I was crushed. And I was just like, because I was pouring out everything that I had. And, uh, and yet I dropped the ball on some things. And I just realized, man, I thought this was about grace. And it's back to performance. And I better get my ducks in a row. And I better, and it started me on a, a string of, you know, the Christian life is not about grace. It's about don't mess up once you're a Christian. You can mess up before you're a Christian. But now the bar is higher. Don't mess up. Because people will judge you for your performance and things. But in my performance, I did drop the ball. But I didn't understand grace yet. And, and shortly after that, I started reading some different things. I remember a book I started reading. It was called Grace Walk. It was just talking about how God's forgiveness for our sins and our failures is just as real for us as a Christian as it was when we were a wretch before we first believed, you know. And now I was this Christian wretch, you know, just failure and stuff like that. And But, but God used it to kind of excite me again about this Christian life and about the gospel and uh, you know I don't know but it reminds me of this this last verse of the song here it just goes on to say through many dangers toils and snares we have already come Twas grace that brought us safe this far and grace will lead us home you know it's about grace to get started to save a wretch like me it's about grace to bring us this far and it's about grace from here on out folks the gracious help of God and I don't know if you realize that or not. I don't know if you're drinking deeply of the grace of God or, or you need to stop and, and take a drink. But it's about grace, men and women. The, the, the gospel, the heart, the essence of the gospel is the grace of Jesus Christ. And I hope you're tasting of that as a Christian. Or if you're not a Christian yet, you've got to know it's to start you off and it's to carry on here. And it, it's supposed to be as sweet as when we first believed. And I don't know about you, but I need reminders of that way more often than than I would ever guess going into this. You know, um, another thing we have to think about with the gospel here is that it's all about grace, but the gospel is all about connecting. Um, the gospel connects us with the grace of God, but the gospel connects us with the person. It connects us with Jesus Christ. He's really the source of all grace. Um, often you'll see throughout the Scriptures, the New Testament, it says, in the grace of Jesus Christ. And one, it says, the love of the Father and the fellowship or companionship of the Holy Spirit in the grace of Jesus Christ. And the grace of Jesus Christ be, be with you. And, um, you know, He's the source of this grace. But it's not just about... Sometimes, uh, for me, I know there was also this journey of going, okay, the Gospel is like, Jesus is God. He died on the cross for my sins. Check, check. It was this uh, intellectual thing. Um, I want to ask my Lord and Savior. Check. I, I prayed to ask Him in my heart. Check. had to check that a number of times before I thought it was really filled in there. But, um, but it took me a while to realize it's not just about do you have the right doctrine intellectually. Can you answer a test on theology about Christianity? The whole goal of the gospel is a message designed to connect us with the person of Jesus Christ. The one who lived a righteous life so that he could exchange that to us. The one who who died for our sins so he could pay for our sins. The one who rose from the dead so that... He could prove it all, but he could also have relationship with us now. You know, if he was just in the grave and he's like, we're just going to have to wait till he rises and, and then we get to have a relationship. But it's not like that. It's, he rose from the dead. He's ascended into heaven. And now we can have a relationship with him. We invite him into our lives. We receive his spirit. Um, the person of Jesus Christ, the essence of Jesus, comes to live inside us through his spirit. And so we have to make sure, I don't know where you are in your faith, but if it's just an intellectual thing, you want to make sure that you, you connected somehow with the person of Jesus Christ. You invited him into your life. 
and you're letting Him sit on the throne of your life and, and lead you into a new life. Um, because sometimes we can do it just intellectually and miss. I've heard it said, the quote, you know, some people, um, the difference between heaven and hell is, is only 18 inches, you know. And they say it's the difference from, from your head to your heart, you know. Some people miss it because it's all a head thing and they never place their trust in Christ in their heart. And so, um, you know, evangelism really comes down to, I think it's uh, introducing people to Jesus. You go, hey, God loves you. Jesus died for you. And, and guess what? He wants to have a relationship with you that begins now. Evangelism is just really introducing someone to the person of Jesus um, as, as Lord and Savior. Um, like this verse here, Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. It's not just about intellectually understanding, but to those who receive Him, uh, He gives the right to become children of God. Have you received Jesus into your life? Or do you just know all the things that are true about Jesus? Because He really lives, He really exists, He really wants into your life. It says He's knocking on the door of your heart for you to receive Him, to let Him in. It's not an accidental thing. He doesn't kick down the door. Have you received Him? But evangelism, uh, this is another great verse here about... Um, about having him. It says, you know, he who has the Son has the life. He does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Next verse, you know, the classic one. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. But it's preceded by saying, hey, if you've invited the Son into your life, you have eternal life. It's not just sometimes Christianity and evangelism is this ticket. Hey, there's a free ticket to heaven. Get in free, get your sins forgiven, you got your ticket. Um... But the ticket to heaven is, is Jesus as your Savior. And you get there and He says, ah, this one's with me. Yeah, I paid for, for that wretch right there. Rich, yeah. Um, this one's with me. Do you have your ticket? Have you received Jesus into your life? Um, there's a point, one of the verses that scared me as a non-believer was when I go, I'll get to heaven and I'll explain to God why I should be in heaven. I'll tell Him what my ticket is here. I'm not like that person. I'm not like Hitler. I'm not like some of these other people. And I remember the verse in Matthew chapter 7 that talks about Jesus. said, hey, many are going to say, Lord, Lord, did we not you know, prophesy in your name? And did we not do miracles in your name? And he'll say, there's many people that will say on that day, you know, Lord, Lord. Kind of like we knew Him. But he say, he'll go on to say, I never knew you. I never knew you. You say you knew me, but I never knew you. You were doing your own thing, calling yourself a Christian, but I never claimed you. You never made my acquaintance. And our hope here is that every one of you starts with a relationship with a real person, inviting them into your life. Um, And then that's evangelism. And beginning to follow him as discipleship is learning to walk, not only like Jesus, but learning to walk with Jesus. the rest of your life trying to you know it's a, it's a sensitive thing to have a relationship with someone who's unseen someone who's in your heart sometimes you, you sense his presence more than others sometimes we can have a hard heart and kind of just go well I think I think this is all real but it's, it's a sensitive relationship it says you know right now we, we see him dimly but then we will see him fully face to face you know when we get to heaven but that's it's all about a relationship with Jesus Christ with his Holy Spirit. And so we're going to talk more. There's a whole chapter on that as we go here. But um, like you said, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The last thing we want to talk about here, so the gospel is it's all about grace, the grace of God. It's all about Jesus, you know. It's a Jesus-centered gospel. Um, and the last thing here, though, is, is kind of more on our side of the equation, is that your faith, your faith connects you to the person 
and the gracious work of Jesus Christ, your faith. Each one of us has our own faith. He died for the sins of the world. But, uh, but each one of us, like this verse here, God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The question comes down to you. Do you believe? Are you one of those whosoever, whoever believes? Are you one of those whoever who has believed that Jesus died for you? It's about your faith. It's not about our faith. He did die for everyone. But do you believe He died for you? Um, because it's going to connect you with the work that He did on the cross. Uh, this one here. When the gospel of righteousness from God is revealed, it's no longer about self-righteousness, a righteousness from God, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Where Do you believe, again, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, that He's your Lord and Savior? Um, because that's where you connect with Him as a person. That's where you connect with the gracious work that He did on the cross. That's where you connect with the work He still wants to do in and through you. Some other verses on this. I just think about um, just recently. Um, let me see if I put this thought down here. You know, there's a number of verses as we read through the Gospel of Matthew here, and just um, uh, boy, they really hit at this idea of, of faith. You know, Jesus said to the centurion, "Go; it will be done just as you believed it would." You know, if Jesus said something like that to you lately, you're wanting Him to come through for you, and He said, it's going to be done just like you think it, just like you think. Does that, is that going to be a good thing or a bad thing? Are you thinking, ah, He's going to let me down again, He always does? Or are you thinking, yeah, I knew He was going to do that. I knew He was going to come through. Because He's going to meet you right in the middle of your expectations, right in the middle of your faith. It'll be done for you. As you believed it would. Or as you believed it wouldn't. Um, another verse here he said to this woman um, take heart daughter your faith has healed you and the woman was healed from that moment on your faith has healed you your faith has connected you with the gracious healing power of God your faith has healed you You, you've got a part to play in this Um, this one here you know this one point these guys were asking to be healed and, and Jesus asked them point blank just like he would ask you and I today on different areas of our lives do you believe that I am able to do this? Do you believe that I'm able to do this? These blind guys, they believed that Jesus was able to do that. And they saw, you know what? It's really true. He can do this. But the question would be to us, do you believe He can do this? Because like He said to them, according to your faith, it will be done to you. And so we just have to uh, realize that our faith is a key component of this. You notice, uh, we've been saved by grace through faith. Romans 5 says we've gained access to the grace through our faith. Connects us all. God has done all the work. All we've left to do is to believe that He did. To believe that He loved us so much that He, he would do that. That He's so gracious He would do that. And you've got to believe that He's done all the work on the cross to become a Christian, to begin the journey, to be introduced to Jesus. And along the way, sometimes it might even be a harder sell to believe that God wants to help you get rid of sin in your life. That God wants to help you Share your faith powerfully with others. That God wants to help you multiply the life of Christ into others. Um, and it's, it comes down to our faith. I think of uh, 
the football just says it's a football Sunday here. I don't know how many of you read the uh, the Faith Walkers devotional today. Any of you read the Faith Walkers today? I got a little chuckle out of that. Um, there was a gal, a sweet gal, wrote the, the. I know her husband. I don't know if I know her so well, but she wrote the Super Bowl kind of entry for today, and she was talking about like the Super Bowl is like this clash on the gridiron ballet of the field, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I was like, a guy would not say it's a gridiron ballet. I, I don't know. If, I don't know if a guy would even use the word gridiron, much less ballet. But uh, it was it was kind of funny. But I, I'm reminded as it relates to football, and I heard an analogy recently when it comes to our faith and full, living a full Christian life. Um, John Myers shared this idea once about you know he talked about Vince Lombardi. You know, we've got, uh, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of him. Dave Van Handel's probably heard of him, yeah. So, a diehard Packers fan here. But, um, but you know, he said Vince Lombardi, he, he won a number of Super Bowls and a number, he got probably all sorts of records and things. But every year, this, this coach who's winning Super Bowls and knew a lot about the game of football and stuff like that, he would start off every season the same with all these professionals that are paid a lot of money, they'd come together and he'd gather them around and, and he'd be like, this is a football. And he would start with the basics and then from there he'd go, and, you know, and then they'd start talking about offense and defense and things like that. But every year, this unbelievable coach with paid professional athletes would go, hey, by the way, this is a football. You know, I was like, duh. Um, but, but it worked, you know, and he, he was excellent at the basics. You know, in some ways, um, you know, John shared just in his analogy of this is, it's kind of, that's, that's the way it is with our faith. You know, this is, this is your faith. And the whole game is centered around your faith. And offense and defense has a lot to do with your faith. And the Christian life is about your faith. And it's your faith to even get in the game, the Christian life, and, and believe in Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's your faith in His grace that will see you safely through. And this is, this is it. It's, this is your faith. And this is the gospel. And, and what do you believe about it? You know? And do you think it's, God is still gracious to help you 17 years later? Some of you are 20, 30, 40 years into this journey. Do you think God is still the same gracious God? to save the wretch like me back when we began. And I hope you do. And I hope as we go through this study, you really catch that, that, um, that it's all about His grace. So, you know, I just want to close with a... I know I have this verse here. Just a, I think a couple encouraging verses here that as we've been going through this journey, these are some that just really encourage me. But one of them is this verse in... Uh, it's Matthew 11 and 28 through 30. It's in the Message Bible. I really like how it's put here, how it's paraphrased here, just because I'm very familiar with the the other version of it in NIV and stuff. But it says this. um, Jesus was speaking to his disciples at the time, but he says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay any, anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. How many of you would like to live a, a life with an easy burden, a light yoke, freely and lightly? I think we all need to either get back to that or maybe start on that in the first time. And A life that's about our, our faith in Jesus and trusting Him to do the work. And, Believing, you know, our believing connects us with God's doing. 
from salvation. We believe He died on the cross for us and, and therefore we get connected with what He did there. And our believing now connects us with God's doing in our life now and for things that are to come. And, and so we just want to, um, you know, part of this journey as we go through this book, there's going to be some chapters just talking about fighting for your faith, growing our faith, because it's really the key. It's the football to this Christian life here, you know. And so, um, But anyways, uh, let's go ahead and pray and just leave you guys some things to chew on. We'll meet back here Wednesday night um, for our worship tonight. Talk a little more. You can share your thoughts with one another as well. And, and hopefully... Um, just begins to, to fill our hearts with the love of God and the grace of God. Let's pray. Well, Lord Jesus, I, I do just want to thank you, Lord. Um, God, I just know I need to be renewed in all these truths. Lord, I, I thank you that you did save a wretch like me. I thank you that um, how precious your grace was when I first believed. And Lord, I just pray you'd help me to see how precious your grace is for me now. That you have everything that I need for living this life that would be otherwise impossible. Lord, help me not to compromise and decide uh, I just don't have what it takes to follow you like a disciple. That help me not get complacent. That help me not to try to carry this out on my own strength or lack of strength. But I just pray you'd help each one of us to uh, have a loving, restful, enjoyable relationship with you that leads to the abundant life, the full life that you've promised. Help us to come to you for that and, and, and give up our own efforts. Um, but God, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for your truth. I do pray you'd help us to just de- drink, drink deeply of this water, this refreshing water of grace. We just pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for coming. And the uh, Super Bowl party starts at 4 around here. So, hope to see you there.